Hey, how you doing? This is Sylvester Stallone. And I'm saying, don't be greedy and lazy. Listen to an elegant weapon with Jason. He's like not mentally irregular, you know? An elegant weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 309. My name is J.J.M. Clark, J. the Jedi Ross, a Ross Jedi J, and as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios to where we have recently returned from the great land of Pennsylvania. That's right, kids. Once again, the Points of Interest podcast network, of which An Elegant Weapon is a very proud member, was honored to perform panel and moderation duties for the great Philadelphia Comic-Con 2018 We've been performing this duty for several years, and we're always very honored and privileged to return. This year was Gangbusters. Almost 40 guests uh, on this show's roster, so it was absolutely incredible. And uh, to my POI cohorts, Josh Alhawkes Hawks, Francis, a.k.a. the other guy, Fernandez. Guys, thank you for joining me in Philly and killing it. These guys hosted their asses off for the weekend because we had a lot of panels to cover, and I'm very proud of my boys for, uh, for being here and helping me out. Every year we're down there, and uh, you should all come down to the great Philadelphia Comic-Con because every year is an absolute blast. So we recorded a whole bunch of these panels, and we're going to bring them to you for your entertainment pleasure. Uh, a big thank you goes out to the con itself. Chris and Carla Wirtz, Andrew Wirtz, you guys are the shit. Thank you so much for allowing us to be part of your incredible event. I, I keep using words like honored, privileged, and proud, but that's exactly how we feel. So thank you so much for allowing us to be part of this incredible experience. Um, I am going to start this week with the very first panel of the weekend that I did. If you're familiar with Harry Potter, if you're familiar with The Strain, if you're familiar with Game of Thrones, if you're familiar with Doctor Who... You may very well be familiar with this individual, Mr. David Bradley. That's right. I got to sit down on stage, chat with Mr. Bradley, and take your questions as he gave answers. And it was an incredible time. Mr. Bradley is a delightful man. Absolutely charming, pleasant, conversational, funny, witty, all those great things that you'd want to hear about one of your heroes. And David Bradley is definitely that. So... 
Uh, here we go with the Great Philadelphia Comic Con Party. Just a reminder that in two weeks we will be down in Nova, Michigan for Motor City Comic Con. I cannot wait. That's always one of the best times of the year. So we'll be heading down there uh, very, very soon. But for now, please enjoy my incredible Q&A panel conversation experience with the one and only Mr. David Bradley. Hi. How's everybody doing? Are we having fun? That's what I like to hear. Um, would there happen to be any Game of Thrones fans in the audience around? That's cool. Harry Potter? Thought there might be a few of you. Are there any Whovians in the house, perhaps? I'm with you, my fellow Whovians, which makes it an incredibly exciting thing that I get to stand here before you and introduce the legendary Mr. David Bradley. Thank you so much for joining us today in Pennsylvania, sir. It's an honor to have you here. As you all just heard, I'm a bit of a Whovian, so I think we're going to start there because there are so many places to start. Yeah. It's crazy. So I thought, why don't we start, before we pass on to you guys, which we will, uh, we'll let you guys get to your questions. We all know about one of the most legendary castings in the history of any kind of cinema, TV, whatever, and that is Mr. Bradley as Mr. William Hartnell in the 50th anniversary, we're all aware of, right? Thank you very much, thank you. Which I'm sure was an incredible experience, but what I would like to ask you is about the return for the Christmas special. How did that come about, and was that very exciting to be asked back not just to play William, but the doctor himself? Well, it was uh, a total surprise, but it was made clear to me quite quickly that after Adventure in Space and Time, I couldn't call myself um, a proper doctor. Uh, I was the actor who played the doctor, but then I realized quickly that by playing this, I could, I could join the family of doctors, and um, it was... It was a surprise because after adventure, is this working okay? Yes, after adventure, okay. oh, thank you. Um, can my youngest ever fan hear me? Uh, it's wonderful on the front row here, you see. <laughs> um, it was a total surprise um, because adventure had gone down so well, and I thought that's it, that's my. That's my experience of Doctor Who. And then when they got back in touch and said um, they were thinking of writing a Christmas special, but they wanted to check me out first if I was interested. And I did, I did have to think long and hard for about an eighth of a second. 
uh, before saying yes. I didn't need to see a script. I knew it was Stephen Moffat, and I knew Mark Gatiss would be in it. And because he'd written Adventure, it, it was great having him there at my side because he, he knows Doctor Who. He's the biggest fan and a great writer and a great friend. And, and I'd never worked with, um, with Peter Capaldi before. I'd, I'd met him briefly on the set of uh, Adventure in Space and Time on our very last day of filming. He said, I said, did you know then that you were going to be the next Doctor? And he said, no, I was just visiting the set, you know. And, but I'm, I'm sure he must have had an inkling because he, was, he was said he was there just as a fan. So I had met him briefly. But when I turned up for the first read-through and for the filming, he couldn't have been more welcoming. He was such a generous man and funny and... Um, he helped me enormously because this was a well-oiled well machine that had been running for years, the, the Doctor Who thing. And, and it can feel a bit intimidating when you turn up on the set on the first day and you don't, there's all the, not only all the cast, but all the BBC executives, all the different departments, electrics, makeup, costume, wigs, and and there were quite a lot of them, and I was like the new kid in school, you know, new kid on the block, and I felt, but it, it really helped that, that Peter was just made me feel part of the family straight away. So, yes, it was, it was just a great treat to be asked back to play him again. Have, have you met most of the other doctors at this point? I, I never met, Hartnell, but he was my first doctor. I did work with Patrick Troughton. I did meet Tom Baker a few times because um, his sidekick, Louise Jameson, I used to share a flat with her because she was the, the girlfriend of my best pal. So, um, but, uh, and I knew David Tennant personally. I'd met Matt Smith. It's wonderful. On yeah. dinosaurs. Do you feel... And Chris Eccleston, uh, I'd worked with him on TV. We did so... Do you feel like you're part of that little clique now? Have they brought you in and you yeah, feel like... Yeah, I do feel yeah. part of that. That's yes. amazing. Yeah. yeah, that must be an experience. But I, I had to sign something this morning, which was a picture of William Hartnell. So <laughs> I, I had to look up for approval just in case, you know, because... Uh, but that felt quite strange, signing a picture of him. But I, I just hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> That's excellent. Okay, I'm going to let you guys know that we've got a microphone right here for questions. So if anybody has a question and they'd like to come up to the mic, we can start a little line up there. Uh, I'm sure there's a few. But while people get into uh, line here, I'm just going to ask one more question to give you a chance to line up. And it's just a general question, David, about... What's it like to be involved in so many of these beloved genres that have so many individual fans in their own worlds? Yes, well, and they've come relatively recently in my career. I've been, uh, this September, I'll have been doing this job for 50 years, you know, and, and it's, everything's been in the last, well, since Harry Potter started 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 
And then they all they all came at once. They started the, coming, the eh? Doctor Who and uh, and the Strain, of course, which I love doing. Absolutely. So it, it, they've all been uh, quite late surprises. So I'm I'm very uh, I appreciate them more because they didn't happen when I was 20 or 30 or whatever. You so, must have great appreciation. So no, yes. I'm absolutely thrilled that. Uh, it gets me out of bed in the morning, you know. <laughs> Wonderful. Hi there. What's your name? My name's Glenn Finney. Glenn. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things I love that you've done, so thank you for that. And, of course, uh, your, your uh, role as uh, Bill Hartnell in uh, An Adventure in Space and Time was remarkable, uh, a tour de force, and the first doctor you're doing credit to. But I, my question is about your role in The Strain. Uh, Abraham uh, Strachan is just an incredible character, a bad ma man doing good, <laughs> if you will. And your death scene in that was incredible. I'm sorry, that was a spoiler. But anyway, uh, <laughs> could you uh, tell us how you got into that sort of final role after playing him for so many seasons and, and sort of holding on for so long? And, and what did you put into that final scene with that character? Well, pretty much everything because it was um, it helped having a, a, a younger actor playing my younger self. I offered to do it myself, but they said no. Uh, <laughs> so, but it helped having that backstory um, in the um, in the camp and the, and the and what he had to go through. It just helped playing him in the present because it gave the audience an insight into where he, where he was, literally where he was coming from, emotionally and physically. And um, it was a challenge. And on the, um, I turned up, I got a call uh, in England uh, from Guillermo del Toro and Carlton Coos, the showrunner, saying, this was a Tuesday, they said, can you be in Toronto on Saturday? And I didn't know anything about it, and it was a, it was a, a, a surprise. I think someone had dropped out, and it hadn't worked out. And so I, I just flew out there. I didn't know what to expect. I was given a, a script, which was my first scene in the show, handling in, in the um, in the pawnbroker's shop handling um, a would be a couple of would-be thieves and it was more or less like four pages of dialogue virtually just me and I thought I've got to learn this by Saturday <laughs> and I, I turned up and there was Guillermo and he directed me in it and he directed me in it again and again and we went away oh, spent a whole day doing this and at one point I said, oh, Guillermo, you know, we've done about 40 takes on this speech. Isn't it? Um, you got it? He said, ah, oh, come on, one more for the Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then we nailed it and we got it. And I was glad he, he pushed and pushed. But I thought this is going to be uh, a, long, a long haul. And uh, it turned out to be one of the best jobs, if not the best I've experienced, because actually working on location with all these other great actors who I'd never, never met before, um, apart from Rupert Penry-Jones and Jonathan Hyde, the two British actors. But, um, and it was just a, a challenge physically and emotionally doing, doing that great, great part because how a, a, 
at, at the age of um, I'm at to be playing an action hero, you know, um, it was like a, a surprise. Not there aren't many proactive characters like Satrakian. I played a lot of guys in hospital beds with cigarette stains down the pajamas, and and uh, and uh, you know, the people are kind of on their way out who aren't actually driving the story. Um, so for me, it, it was like a chance to yeah, let's hear it for the old guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Hi there. What's your name? Jessica Petro. Jessica. Hi. Which which house are you? I'm Hufflepuff, but I had to wear the Gryffindor because that's what I could find in the store. So. <laughs> right. Are they the good guys? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a huge surprise that I'm going to ask a Harry Potter question. Yeah. But um, it's a two-parter. Um, have you read any of the books? I. I read. I was on holiday with my kids, and before the filming started, and I didn't even know there was going to be a film. Yeah. But my kids were reading the first two books, yeah. uh, *Philosopher's Stone*, *Chamber of Secrets*, yeah. on holiday, and I couldn't get any conversation out of them at all. <laughs> so I said, I, "I better." So when they'd finished them, I said, "Come here, let's, so yeah. we can have something to talk about." <laughs> were there any scenes from the books that you did read that you wished were filmed in the movies? Well, I yes, and when I um, when I when I went for the audition, I I, I like I like the books and I like them, and I I said to my kids, what um, uh, 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 what do you think? They said my daughter said um, they're actually going to make the film of the first one. Yeah. We didn't know then there were going to be eight movies or whatever, and um, and they said get your agent in touch with <laughs> to to play in it. So I said, um, what, should I, what should I play? Maybe someone suave and handsome like Snape? And, and my daughter says, no, no, you're a natural filch, Dad. And I thought, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Time to face facts, you know. Excellent. So I, I auditioned for it, and yeah. I had to do the scene where he takes them into the Forbidden Forest, you yes. know, there's more than werewolves in them yeah. uh, woods. You mark yeah. my, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I did it, and it seemed to go down well. And then uh, they called me back a couple of weeks later with the uh, producers and executives came over from America. So it was quite a vetting process, and it took quite a while wow. because everybody wanted to be in Harry Potter. Of <laughs> so it was good that I read the first two books because I. I was familiar with the character because yeah. sometimes when you go for an audition, you don't you don't know what the story is yeah. or the world it's set in. Uh -huh. But I felt uh, it helped me a lot just being there, and um, and my kids helped me yeah. all, uh, for the audition That's as well. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Hi there. What's your name? Uh, Chris Alvarez. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, since you say that you're. Uh, all these roles started later in life. How much were you into science fiction and fantasy when you were younger? Um, not, not really. I enjoyed the Doctor Who when it started, but then I kind of, when work came in and prevented me from seeing, I, I kind of dropped out. But I love the, um, I've always liked the novels of uh, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Now, I don't know if you've read any Kurt Vonnegut, yes. but that's science fiction and philosophy and stuff, and I, I found them funny and wise and um but but that was generally the limit of my involvement and i was never a trekkie 
Um, I watched the Star Wars movies, of course, like everybody, and loved them. But it wasn't a genre that I, I read a lot. Um, you know, I, I liked some of the movies, but, uh, but now I've, I'm, I'm, I'm really into it now, of course, you know. <laughs> Right, well, excellent. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. Very thank much. You. Hi. <laughs> That's an excellent shirt you're wearing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Rachel. Interesting Hi, Rachel. shirt. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My question is actually not any role specifics that you've played. My question is more general. You've done a lot of location filming, so you've had to travel a lot. So I was wondering if you had a really funny story about a travel mishap that has happened to you. Oh, you've caught me there. Oh, I can't <laughs> <laughs> I'd not, not really, no, I can't think. I'd have, I'd have to have time to think about that one. Because you know, sometimes you get asked a story, what, tell me the funniest thing that's ever happened to you. And you just go, <laughs> of course, lots of things do. But then you go a blank when you're asked the question. So, uh, so. Do you, do you enjoy the travel? Do you enjoy being on location in different places? I enjoy going to interesting different places. But, um, but the strain was like quite difficult because I was relocating from my home, uh, coming across the pond for six months at a time during really bad winters. Luckily, the work more than made up for it. But I've done a lot of touring with... Uh, different theatres and, and of course every, every time you go on tour with a theatre you're there for maybe one night or two nights and I, um, I was with the Royal Shakespeare Company once doing um, uh, Winter's Tale, Shakespeare's Winter's and we were, we were playing not proper theatres but like town halls and sports centres and like and uh, I, I was, I was, we'd only got in that afternoon, so we had to work out where our entrances were. Sometimes you had to walk around large buildings and under underground to try and find your next entrance. And I got, I, my entrance was coming up, and I, I didn't know where. I was wandering under all these corridors, and I, I pushed open the door because I thought that might be it. And it was uh, a blood donor evening. <laughs> And the men in white coats, uh, waiting, and said, "Ah!" And they were obviously desperate, and they were they were urging me to come in to give a pint of blood. I said, "I can't. I'm on stage in ten seconds." So I had to. Eventually, I made it because the actors made up the dialogue for a while. But uh, but there's lots of lots of little stories like that. But and I know that in that I'll, I'll go to bed tonight and I'll think, "Oh, I forgot that one." <laughs> so, but interesting question, and I'm I, wonderful. I, I, Thank I, you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Hi there. What's your name? Hi. Oh, yeah. Hi. My name's Paul Yeti, and uh, I love your work. So you perfectly emulate William Hartnell as the first Doctor. And uh, my question for you is, uh, since it was revealed during the eleventh Doctor's one that the Doctor does have a real name, it would only seem logical since you played the first Doctor. You would know the doctor's real name. The doctor. Oh, since uh, since you played the first doctor, it makes sense that you would know the first the doctor's real name. So he's asking if you know the doctor's real name. And what is it? And what well, is it? If I did, I couldn't tell you. 
<laughs> no, no, my but only is answer is I don't know. Nobody ever said, by the way, his name is um, Harold or whatever. But, um, and I never made up a name for him. I never thought about but I will now you've asked the question. Does it pop your fan theory that his name's actually Kronos after the weak god of time? You think that's valid or no? What's that? Sorry, I couldn't hear there's, there's a theory that his name is Kronos because after the Greek god of time, oh, right. that that might be his real name. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the doctor's real name is Kronos then? Well, it, it is for the purpose of our uh, interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least in but, Pennsylvania. It's a good name. It's a good name. <laughs> Thanks. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hi, my name is Ginny, and I have a two-part question for you. Of the roles that you have played, which is your personal favorite? And of the roles you've played, what are you most recognized for? Well, it, for a long time, it was just Harry Potter, of course. And, and it was great fun to play. But over the 10 years we were making the films, I wasn't involved as much as I have been with other things. So it was like I could go for weeks, sometimes months, without being called in. So I, I didn't feel that, when I saw everybody, it was great seeing them and it was great in the studio, but for sheer concentrated work, I think Adventure in Space and Time was, it was a solid month of, of just doing, with a very short space of time in which to film it, in the conditions in which they filmed it originally, 50 years ago. So probably Adventure in Space and Time in terms of, that's but I did enjoy doing the Red Wedding. I enjoyed doing that a, a bit too much, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think your I think your uh, fan base dropped a few points on that Red Wedding, but you know we recovered. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, please! <laughs> we recovered. It was, no. it was a but tough, the, uh, tough couple of days. But the Doctor Who experience was because he was um, he was an actor I admired. It was an honour to play him, and I felt a sense of responsibility to honor his memory and his performance you know so so thank you. i think the uh, adventure in space and time is probably the answer to your question that's wonderful thank you hi hi i'm penny hi yeah my question is kind of leads from what you just said so when you're playing a brand new role that's never been seen before like argus filch how does that compare to playing a, an a character like the first doctor that's already been played by somebody like William Hartnell. Yes, well, that's that's an interesting question because that you have to uh, on one on one side you have to recreate what he did because that's what the fans expect, and the same time you've got to make it your own. And if it's um, if it's an accurate impersonation but without any, say, blood running through the veins of it. Uh, it, it can be just a cold um, uh, recreation of that performance. So you've got to invest it with your own timing, your own sense of humor, um, but you have the benefit of having seen lots of footage, BBC footage of, of his performance. So that helped a lot, and it helped having read a lot about him, uh, his daughter, Jessica wrote a brilliant book called Who's There about his life. So I felt I kind of knew him a bit. But with, um, with something you're recreating, 
uh, write from, from scratch that doesn't owe anything to anybody. You've got a bit more freedom, in a sense, you know, to make it your own. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Oh, your youngest fan has returned uh, with hello. a question. Hi, I'm Andrea. This is Gideon. Um, my question is actually about Game of Thrones because everything surrounding Walter Frey was so epic, the Red Wedding, obviously, but all the characters die. How did you feel about Walter Frey's exit from Game of Thrones? Well, it's been a long time coming, and I, I know a lot of people were looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was... I think as, as an actor, you know, you think you can't beat a good death, you know. And it's, it's always it good when they make it spectacular, you know. It, it, it's, uh, it's something you look forward to doing. So, but, but people would, would say, oh, I can't forgive you for what you did. Uh, oh, and, and in, uh, they're hoping for a, a really gruesome death for you. And then after it happens, people say, like, oh... Sorry you went, we liked you. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi there, how are you? Hi, Mr. Bradley. My name is Hallie. Hi, yeah. Um, I also have a Game of Thrones question about your untimely demise as Walder Frey. Um, when I watched it, it was very reminiscent to me of Titus Andronicus and Shakespeare. And with your Shakespearean background, is that just a coincidence that I happen to see, you know, with him eating his sons before you were killed? And, you know, what kind of headspace do you get into to play such a nefarious villain? Yeah, well, uh, interestingly enough, the last Shakespeare part I played with the Royal Shakespeare Company was Titus Andronicus. <laughs> so I knew all about the pie with the finger in it and everything. So I think the writers obviously... Um, there are so many films and plays and TV shows that borrow a lot from or influenced by Shakespeare, which I think is great because that's my he's my he's my god, you know. Um, so I, I, but there's also in Titus Andronicus, we had people fainting and people being the ambulance would come and take people away almost every night, but at the same time there's something funny about it. And it's almost like Shakespeare wrote, wrote, wrote the, the pie scene, the eating of the pie, and the piling up of the bodies. And it's intended to be quite funny. And I thought the same about the Red Wedding. I know it was uh, an awful scene, some awful things happened. But Walder Frey's attitude towards it, I... I found like the next morning when they're cleaning up all the blood and, and he's uh, tucking into his breakfast. It's like he's looking through a window watching somebody wash his car, you know. And it's like, that was, that was his attitude. It was just, uh, just, just blood, just people, you know. And I, I, I do find, um, maybe I've got a very dark sense of humor, but I find it quite funny, you know. Same as with the Shakespeare. But uh, thanks for picking up on the, uh, the Titus Andronicus parallel because it's definitely there, you know. You can't deny it, you know. No. Very, very nice. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Hi. Hello. 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 I'm Sarah. It's nice Hello, to meet Sarah. you. Hello, Sarah. Um, I have a silly question. Um, in Harry Potter, was Mrs. Norris a real cat? And if she was, did you get along? Mrs. Norris was a real cat. In fact, we had two Mrs. Norrises, one called Max and one called Alanis. 
and they were both very special breed of cat called Maine Coon, and they're kind of um, they're very large and very intelligent and very cuddly and gorgeous. And then, so I had one who was very good at following me around, and the other one, Max, was very good at me holding him in my arms for long periods of time. But um, and they they behaved very well. They 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 like me because I'm a cat lover, and we <laughs> we had cats in our house anyway. Um, but occasionally, we'd have to do a lot of takes because he or she wouldn't look in the direction of the camera. And the, the cameraman always said, we've got to have the cat facing the camera so we can CGI the red eyes. Because if it's looking away, they can't, so they, they, they computer generated her eyes. So um, occasionally she'd be lying in my arms and uh, when the camera started rolling, she might be asleep, I'd have to tap her on the head. <laughs> And, and sometimes I'd have to just move her head slightly to face the camera. And it, sometimes these things take a while, as you can imagine, you know, it's like... Um, but fortunately, with something like Harry Potter, you've got the time to do endless retakes. We could spend a fortnight on a, on a, a two-page scene, but with TV, you don't have that luxury. You've got you've to get the shots done that day that you said, but... With a budget like uh, the Potter films, they uh, they could spend the time to get it absolutely right, and and uh, and they would. So they were they were long days, and if you had the the, the, the great hall full of 400 kids, uh, and they all have to react properly, if one kid's not looking at the action and the camera picks it up, you've got to do the whole thing again. So it was quite quite painstaking, but. Uh, but they made sure they got it right and uh, still created a great, great atmosphere, you know. But, uh, Excellent question. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Hi there. Hello. Hi, my name is Laura. Um, in the strain, you, your character, Satrakian, at one point uses the worms like to, to prolong your own life. Yes. Do you think using the, like, using the powers of the Strigoi makes Satrakian's character kind of a villain? Well... Like, part, makes, it kind, like makes him kind of part of the dark force that he's trying yes, to be? Yes, he, yes. I mean, it says, it says, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies even closer. He has to engage with that world and to do things um, that are quite bad, but for, a, for a, what he would regard as a good reason. His main objective was to destroy the master and avenge the death of his wife. And he would do whatever it took. And sometimes uh, I, I saw him basically as, as, as a, a good man and uh, a very moral man, but he was prepared to, uh, uh, as, as a Groucho Marx expression that says, these are my principles. If you don't like them, I have others. And, and he, would, he would bend the rules and do whatever it took and he would often lead his companions into great danger and if, if some of them died during the, the venture then tough, but it needed, it needed to be done literally to save the world as far as he was concerned and to get revenge for what, it, what life had done to him and his family. So um, it's a kind of 
morally uh, 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 ambiguous what he was doing. And uh, I know what you mean by using the, uh, the worms to, to de using the, what the enemy does to, to destroy the enemy. If that's what it took, that's what he would do. He wanted to live long enough, not, not because he wanted to live into old age, but he wanted to live long enough to complete his mission. And he was ruthlessly vigilant in that. So, but thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Good to meet Hello. You, Sorry. Uh, sorry. Thank you. What makes you keep going? What makes you keep wanting to, to continue to act and want to continue to come out to Comic-Cons like this and things like that? Well, in one's everyday life, when you, if you're working all the time or you're at home, you, you, don't get, you get letters from fans, and I, I do my best to... Uh, if there's anybody out there who's written to me and I haven't replied, yes, I'm on the case. Um, but you don't get, often get a chance to engage with with the fans the way you do at, at these events and of course they you know we're, uh, there's a whole group of us that have met before some of us have worked together before as guests and you meet new people all the time i've just met um robert watt you know the producer who produced star wars <laughs> um uh, indiana rabbit, jones roger rabbit yeah uh, yeah, yeah. And he's an amazing guy, and he's still getting up, he's still coming out and doing it, and, uh, and he's just got so many interesting stories, and I think I've just had a couple of evenings talking to him, and uh, he's quite inspirational, the way he's still got the enthusiasm for the work. And um, thankfully, uh, I still have as well. I, I, if, if, I haven't, if I haven't got a... I, sh I should have, technically, if I was working for a living, <laughs> I should have retired years ago, but I just, if I've got a project that gets me out of bed, whether it's learning a script or coming to an event like this, it, it fires me up and keep, keeps, keeps my mind alert and, uh, and uh, you know, coming like this and having interesting questions to answer. And it, it's just lovely, the fact that people are still interested in, in, in what you do. And uh, I just love... I just happen to be a person who likes meeting new people all the time anyway. So, um, so yeah, I, I still have the enthusiasm I had for it 50 years ago, thankfully. But when it stops, I'll stop, I'll tell you. you know, <laughs> but uh, I, still love, I still love doing it. It's yeah. good to hear you the fire, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you so much. All right, I think we've got time for these last few questions here, and then we'll... Let Mr. Bradley get back to his table to meet all you adoring fans out there as well. Hi, what's your name? Hi, I'm Tony. Uh, I'm Hi. a fan. I've really appreciated your work. Uh, I had a quick question. I was wondering if you were to teach or at least study any specific Hogwarts school subject, which would that be? Um, invisibility, I think. <laughs> But then if I was invisible, I wouldn't be in the movies, so. <laughs> but that would, be, that would be a good skill to learn, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yeah, that should just bend down there. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm Meg. I have a question. Um, 
If you were to sort yourself into a Hogwarts house, which one do you think you'd be in? If I could, yeah. If I could, if you could sort yourself into a Hogwarts house, which one would it be? Well, it was the, um, it's the bad guys. What are they called? Slytherin. 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 I think that's where Filch would feel at home, don't you? You know. Absolutely. I think, um, I think the Gryffindors would fill him full of fear. He'd be constantly looking over his shoulder. But uh, yeah, Slytherin. He's um, wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank you. much. All right, since we have reached the end, I would just like to ask one final thing. Uh, it's very touching to hear that uh, Adventure in Space and Time was, in fact, you know, one of your favorite roles. How was that final scene with the, with the Matt Smith cameo and saying goodbye at the end? How was it to film that? Was that an emotional moment? Was that... Well, it was, and it, it would have been more emotional if Matt had been there. Oh, no, that <laughs> was, he was busy. separate? Oh, that's so too bad. So we, we filmed, someone stood in, and, but I knew, I imagined it, was, I imagined it to be Matt, but uh, origi originally we were supposed to both film at the same time, but he was, his schedule wouldn't allow him to do it. Such so, a touching moment, though. So, it's a beautiful yes. moment. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm uh, honored and, uh, and very happy that people still found it moving. Absolutely. Um, and, but we, you know, we, we kind of connected, but at different times. Right, but, uh, right. But, but we knew each other from uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship anyway. And um, we've come to various... Well, we, we, we flew out to uh, San Diego for a Comic-Con about four years ago after Adventure in Space and Time. And I was, we flew, we were on the same flight and then we were walking through the concourse at Heathrow and there was a big display and a huge picture of Matt and it was like advertising his last season. <laughs> and we were walking through the concourse and he said, excuse me a minute, and he walked over and the people on the, the display stand. He said, what's going on here then? They said, oh, it's a Doctor Who thing. We're promoting the end of Doctor Who. He said, oh, great. It's very impressive. I said, oh, thanks, thanks. And he came back. And none of them <laughs> recognized him. They, I think sometimes people aren't expecting to see someone, so they don't see them. You know. Amazing. And I know he just did it to, to give me a laugh, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. He's a lovely guy. He's very funny. So. He seems so. This has been an amazing uh, conversation. We cannot thank you enough for being here. Everybody, the legendary Mr. David Bradley. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for the lovely questions, and thank you for listening. Thank and you. please feel free to go meet Mr. Bradley. He has a table out in the celebrity row there. Get a picture and some autographs. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you.